Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 3 this morning. 1 Samuel, the ninth book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then 1 Samuel. We're going to be looking at the call of Samuel this morning. The second of six messages on the call of God. God is calling his people today. Every Christian has a calling in their life, and God wants to use this series to remind us of principles about how he calls us and what he calls us to, and how you and I may be more in tune with the calling that God has upon our life. In contrast to last week's message, where we started out looking at the call of Moses, where it was just God and Moses doing business together, just the two of them. Here, in the call of Samuel, there's a lot more people involved. And so it reminds us that God doesn't operate the same way to any two people when he calls us. His his call is very unique, it's very personal, it's very individualized. So there will be times where God chooses to work in this way to call a person. There will be other times he chooses another way to work, but there is no one-size-fits-all call of God. Sometimes, like with Moses, it's just God and Moses. Other times, like Samuel, there are so many other people involved. Samuel's name means God heard because Hannah had prayed for so long for a child. And finally, God blessed her with Samuel. And so she named her son, God heard my prayer. Samuel is a very significant figure in biblical history. He is the first of the great prophets of the Old Testament, and he is a bridge between the time of judges and the time of the kings. In fact, God uses him to both anoint Saul, the first king of Israel, as well as David, the king of Israel. So Samuel is a very, very significant figure, and let's begin to look at some of the things surrounding the call of Samuel. But before we actually get into 1 Samuel chapter 3, I apologize. I want you to go back to chapter 1 and look at verse 27 and 28 for just a moment, because we can't talk about the call of Samuel without at least mentioning his mother, Hannah. This could be a message in itself. Hannah writes, or Samuel records what Hannah's words are here in 1 Samuel 1.27, I prayed for this boy, and the Lord has given me the request that I asked of him, and now I dedicate him to the Lord. From this time on, he is dedicated to the Lord. Then they, speaking of Hannah and her husband Elkanah, worshipped the Lord there. God will use many times the dedication of others to bring about the call of someone else. Hannah dedicated her son to the Lord. What's that mean? It means she just gave him back to the Lord because she recognized he is the Lord's. He's not mine. God just allows me as a parent to sort of 
have that child on loan, if you will, for a few years. But ultimately, our children, our grandchildren, they are not our own. They are the Lord's. And she was simply saying, God, you gave me him. Now I'm giving him right back to you. And from the time he was three years of age, he was in the temple of the Lord. How could she do that? Because she was dedicated to the Lord. And it was through her dedication to God that God was able to bring about the call in her son's life. I hope that will be an encouragement to all of us, not just parents, not just grandparents, but any of us, that God may want to use our dedication to him to reach into the life of someone else and call them to his service. It's out of our dedication many times that God works. And so we can all be sort of challenged by Hannah. But then if you come over to 1 Samuel chapter 3, notice this. Now the boy Samuel, as he had grown up a little bit, continued serving the Lord under Eli's supervision. Again, just like with Moses, who was faithfully shepherding the sheep of God out there in the desert area, here we find Samuel, same thing. He is faithfully serving the Lord in the temple under Eli's supervision. God calls those who are already faithfully serving him, doing something for him. God's not going to come in to, to our life and call us to something greater if we are not already occupied with doing something for the Lord in a faithful manner, you see. So notice Samuel continued serving the Lord. But then notice this, under Eli's supervision, that's important. Eli was not a good guy. He was the priest, but he was not a good guy. And he didn't have great influence even over his two sons who were also priests. In fact, just to get there for a little bit, Take your eyes and go over to chapter 2, verse 12 for just a moment. Notice it says, The sons of Eli's were wicked men. They did not recognize the Lord's authority. Then down to verse 17. The sin of these young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt because they were serving as priests under their father's supervision. And then notice what God says through a man of God to Eli in chapter 2, verse 29. God says, you have honored your sons more than you have honored me. Whoa. And yet, and yet, Samuel is serving under this man. What's that tell us? It tells us that God doesn't need optimal circumstances to work in to bring about his will and his call. In fact, let's face it, God's pretty used to never working in optimal circumstances. 
because there are no perfect circumstances for God to work in because he's working in a broken world with broken people. And so when you and I try to, in our own lives, try to have everything lined up before we start stepping into serving the Lord or, or anticipating his call or doing something for God, we'll never get there. God just takes us right where we are and sometimes even works powerfully and mightily, mightily in very less than favorable circumstances. Samuel was being trained by Eli and Eli was not a good priest. And he even honored his own sons above the Lord, which also reminds us of this, another important principle. Sometimes relationships come between us and our call. Sometimes family becomes more important to us than God and can hold us back or hinder us back from following the Lord's call in our life. God had a call for Eli, but Eli never fulfilled fully the call of God for his life. Why? Because his sons were more important to him than God, and he did not rebuke his sons, God said. And because you honored your sons more than you honored me, I'm going to take the priesthood away from you and your family forever. How many times down through my life have I heard stories of Christians who said, well, I was all excited for God and on fire for God, but the people that threw water on my fire for God were my own family members or my friends or whatever. I'm like, wow, there is that dynamic. Or where we sacrifice what God has for us because we're not willing to maybe put God above even our family. That, that's part of the reason why God asked Abraham, I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac up on that mountain. Why? Because if you're going to lead this new nation that I'm creating, I need to know that I'm number one in your life, even above your son. That, 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 that you need to honor me above anything and everyone else. It's exactly what Jesus said to those who wanted to be his disciples. He says, unless you love me more than you love your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, or whatever, you can't be my disciple because there may be times where I as God have something for you and maybe your family and your friends and your other relationships in your life, they're maybe not going to be on board with that and you're going to have a choice to make. Am I going to follow God or am I going to listen to my friends and family? And that's what we see happening in Eli's life as well. So the encouraging thing, though, is even though he was serving under Eli's supervision, that didn't stop what God was going to do in Samuel's life, nor did it hinder Samuel from becoming the man of God that God always saw him to be. But notice something else about the context here in verse 1. Word from the Lord was rare in those days. God wasn't communicating directly with his people. Why? Because his people weren't listening, which is part of what we're going to talk about in the Call of God series, learning to listen and discern and hear the voice of God. They no longer were tuning in to God's station, if you will. They had tuned God out so God doesn't waste his breath. God says, I'm done talking. Until I can start finding people 
who are willing to listen and who want to listen and who want to hear what I have to say, I'm done talking. You and I know what that's like, right? We might have earthly relationships where we know that person's really not listening to me, so why am I wasting my breath talking? So what's it do? It begins to shut us down from communicating with others because we understand they're really not listening, they're not interested in what I have to say. Well, guess what? Where do we get that kind of idea from? God, because God throughout his word has shown us that when he's got people who are willing to listen, he will communicate. He will be right there and he will interact. He will draw near to us as we draw near to him. But if he sees that we have no interest in him or what he has to say, he will shut down communication. Revelatory visions were infrequent in these days. It was a dark time. Which is why it's very interesting then in verse 2, you have this description of something physical, and yet it's suggesting something spiritual behind it. Eli's eyes had begun to fail or grow dim because he was getting older. But there's also the suggestion that he also had a lack of spiritual vision and sensitivity to the Lord. So that what was going on physically was, was actually an illustration of where he was spiritually. He was no longer really locked in and seeing the Lord and interested in spiritual things. At that time also, he was lying down in his place. And then it says, verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet been extinguished which also suggests that this was a spiritually dark time in the history of Israel. The lamp was going dim, not quite completely out yet. There was still hope, but it was getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Now Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord as well. The ark of God was there, which represented the presence of God. What's Samuel doing? He's positioning himself close to God. We just sung about that. Seek the Lord. You and I need to position ourselves close to God. And where was God in Samuel's day? In the temple, represented in the Ark of the Covenant. So that's where Samuel was. That's part of how you and I begin to hear the call of God is not just by faithfully serving him, but by positioning ourselves close to him, where he is, where he's moving, where he's working. That's why I call people to come to church, because why? Because God's here. God's presence is here. God is moving. God is working. You want to position yourself close to God? You want to hear from God? Then come to his house, you see. Verse 4, the Lord called to Samuel. And he replied, here I am. We saw that phrase last week with Moses when God first called him. Here, here I am, I'm, I'm here, as if God doesn't really know where we're at. But it's more of a, hey, it's me. Now, what we're going to read in the next few verses would in some ways be humorous if it wasn't so tragic, okay? So follow along with me, verse 5. Then he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. See, Samuel thought, well, that's the voice of Eli. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and laid down. The Lord again called Samuel. So Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you, my son. Go back and lie down. Now notice what it says in verse 7. 
And, and the reason I say it's tragic is I'm, I'm not putting any blame on Samuel at this point. I'm just saying again, the climate that Samuel was growing up in was so dark. God's word was rare that people weren't just used to hearing from God. That's what's tragic about it. And notice then what it also says in verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. It, it didn't mean he didn't know him at all. It meant that he didn't have yet an intimate connection with God. He didn't have a personal acquaintance with the Lord. What's that tell us? That tells us that you and I can be in the house of God and not really know him. We can even serve God like Samuel did and yet not really have an intimate knowledge of God ourselves. I think about how many Christians that may apply to. You have God as your savior. You know your sins are forgiven. You know if you were to die, you were on your way to heaven. You come to church. You, you know of God. You even may serve in some capacity but you don't have that real, personal, intimate communion and fellowship with God. You don't really know him. That's where Samuel was at. And yet it wasn't going to stay there with Samuel. And then he says, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. It, it means God's voice had not yet become clear God's voice to Samuel was not yet recognizable or distinguishable. Again, you and I get that. There are times where we can just hear somebody's voice that we know, and we just know before they even identify themselves, oh, that's so-and-so. Why do you know that? Well, because you're intimately acquainted with them. You just know you can pick out their voice from other voices. And that's the way it is with learning to hear the voice of God in our life, and this is what I want to encourage you all with. You and I don't get proficient at hearing God speak to us or hear his voice just a few times. You and I have to practice listening for God. You and I have to practice hearing God speak to us, responding to him, and learning to, to discern and recognize his voice when he's speaking to us and to go, oh, that's you, God. That you got. And guess what? We need to do that over our whole life. There are so many Christians, it's like, how do you know God's speaking to you? And I just tell them, I said, if you're truly a Christian, first of all, just let God know you're interested in what he's got to say. Position yourself close. Stay faithful and start listening for God to speak. And then when he speaks, respond eagerly to him. And you'll begin over time to know, oh, that's the voice of God speaking to me. And it's a wonderful thing. I can't tell you for those that I'm trying to convey this to that maybe you're looking at me in a weird way, although, you know, maybe you're just looking at me weird. That's possible. But maybe that's not something that, that you regularly experience yet. I just want to encourage you. It can be. It can be. I hear God's voice in my life every day. And it's only because over time, I, I've just learned to, to know what God's voice sounds like, to discern that's God speaking to me and, and to respond in a positive way. And the more you and I practice that, the more that you and I do that, the more we will know, oh, that's God. That's God speaking to me. And that's a big part 
of not only knowing his calling in my life, but fulfilling his calling in my life. Because even after you and I maybe embrace that call, God's going to want to continue to communicate with us and speak to us about our calling and serving him and all that throughout the rest of our days. So we never get to a place as a Christian where we say, okay, God, I've got enough from you. I'm shutting your channel off. I'm turning on another channel. No, the channel needs to be always tuned to God to be able to hear his voice in our life. So then notice verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time. That's encouraging. Why? Because God is patient and persistent as he calls us. God isn't just one and done. If we don't respond the first time, then he's done. So let me encourage you with this, because one of the questions I get asked a lot as a pastor is, what if I don't, what if I don't know that that's God in my life and I've missed something? And my response back to a question or inquiry like that usually is this. If God is really trying to get your attention and God is really trying to speak into your life, don't think you're going to miss it because God's going to keep bringing it back up. Because he's going to make sure that you know that it's from him and that he wants to try to get this message through to you. So he's not going to grow impatient. God, you're going to find in your life, if God really wants to get, a, get you a, aware of something, you're going to see it over and over and over again. And then there's going to come the point where then it's just a matter of you and I know it's God, so then it's just whether I'm going to respond positively or negatively. Because responding not at all is responding negatively to the voice of God. So he got up, Samuel, and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And then Eli finally realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. Think about that. It took four times for the priest of God to realize, oh, God is actually speaking now. How sad, how tragic that is. So Eli said to Samuel, go back and lie down. And when he calls you, at least Eli had enough still spiritual stuffings in him to come up with some good stuff here, right? He says, when, not if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You know what? Even from someone who's not really totally aligned with God, God can sometimes use them too, because that was actually great advice from Eli. In fact, I would like to encourage you and I to have that same, those same words in our heart at all times when we hear the Lord. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Could you join me? And let's say that together. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's something we need to do every day because it's inviting the Lord to speak to us. It's telling the Lord, Lord, I want to hear what you have for me. Then the word Lord reminds us that we're calling him not just our Savior, but our Lord, because he's our master also, and he decides what's best for me, not me or anyone else. Using the word your servant reminds us we're making ourselves available, and then the word listening means I'm being very attentive to your voice, God. I'm tuned in 
I want to know very badly what you have to say to me. And I'm going to live my life based on what you are saying to me, either through your word or through the voice of your spirit in my life. I'm going to be continually attentive, and I'm going to learn over time to discern and recognize that that's your voice, God, in my life. I'm listening. Then the Lord, I love this, notice verse 10, came and stood nearby. God was placing himself in closer proximity to this young man, Samuel. Nicole mentioned this verse earlier. James, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Samuel was like, oh, I, I want to hear what you have for me, God. So God literally embodied himself and appeared before Samuel and came and stood before the young boy. And called just like he did to Moses, twice using his name, Samuel, Samuel, because God knows every one of our names. He knows us inside and out. He knows us very personally and has a personal, deep, abiding love for each and every one of us and a plan for our life. Samuel replied, just what Eli said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, look, behold, see, I'm about to do something in Israel. I'm about to shake things up. And when anyone hears about it, their ears are going to tingle. What's that mean? It means our ears turn red. You know when, like, you got a lot of emotion and sometimes your nose turns red and your ears turns red? That's what God, God's saying. I got some news that's really going to shake things up. What is it? I'm coming to judge the house of Eli. And notice what he says in verse 13, God to Samuel, you should tell him that I'm about to judge his house forever because of the sin that he knew about. For his sons were cursing God and he did not rebuke them. The first assignment God has for Samuel is you're going to go into your mentor and you're going to tell him about me judging him. Now we learn something here about how God works. God's going to test to see, are we going to be obedient to his voice even when it might mean makes us a little bit uncomfortable? Because that's what you and I have to do out there in the world at times. We have to be what God wants us to be. We have to say what God wants us to say, regardless of how unpopular it may be. And sometimes we may be the only voice at all, and everyone else may be against us, but God's going to test, just like he did with Abraham, how far are you willing to go with me? And let me say this. When you and I even begin to embrace God's calling, our calling will be tested early and often to see, are we going to be faithful to God and what his calling is in my life? Or are we just going to say right up front, no, God, sorry, not for me. Get somebody else like Moses did. And this, this was a young man. Eli was like, you know, a well-respected, in some ways, you know, older priest. So verse 15 says, Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. And can you, can you put yourself there? You ever been there where you have a difficult conversation coming, 
and you know it's going to be a difficult conversation and you really don't want to, but you know you need to do it. And it's like you get ready to go through the doors. I know what that's like a little bit from even the backside of it. Because those of you that know some stories about me know that I was always getting in trouble in school. <laughs> and me and the principal's office door were well acquainted. And I can remember walking up to the principal's office door, just getting ready to turn that knob going, well, here we go again. It's not going to be pleasant on that other side of the door. Can I just say, thank you, God, for your grace. <laughs> but that's where Samuel was. I'm sure his heart was beating. I'm sure the sweat was probably, you know, coming down the sides of his face. Ooh, in fact, it even says, notice, Samuel was afraid, verse 15, to tell Eli about the vision. He was dreading it. However, Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he replied, here I am. Eli said, what message did he speak to you? Don't conceal it from me. God will judge you severely if you conceal from me anything that he said to you. Again, God bless Eli. Because even though he wasn't personally in a good place with God, he knew enough about God being the priest of God that he was still able to communicate sound counsel and sound wisdom to this young man. God was still using Eli, even though he was about ready to judge him and his house forever. Again, because God doesn't need optimal circumstances to work in. So I think because Samuel wanted to be obedient, and faithful to God's calling, and because of the encouragement of Eli. Notice verse 18, Samuel told him everything. Samuel was faithful to what God called him to do. He did not hold back anything from him. And then this is really sad. Eli's response is not one of repentance. It's not one of, oh my goodness, I have done wicked and wrong before the Lord, I repent in sackcloth and ashes, which is what the proper thing to do would have been in that day. He simply has a words of sort of resignation. Well, let the Lord do whatever the Lord was going to do. But notice the contrast. But Samuel continued to grow. That's our responsibility. We always grow, even when we know now what God is calling us to or beginning to call us to. We always do our part to make progress and advance in our walk with God. We place ourselves in close proximity to God. We are faithful to the Lord, to his house, to his word. We're faithful to worship him. We do all the things that we know we need to do in order to keep growing because we should never stop growing. When we stop growing today, we stop following God's call tomorrow. We stop growing today, we stop serving effectively tomorrow. And all of us then, we never should stop growing. I've been a pastor for 36 years. I learn something every day. I grow every day as a pastor if I'm in the right space with God. We should all be that way, no matter how long we've done something or 
how good we think we are at something, we always need to rely and depend upon the Lord and grow. And I love this. When God sees that kind of a heart, notice what it says. The Lord was with him. And you can't get more than that. Because it basically means that the Lord was his partner and his companion in everything Samuel did. You can't find a better partner or companion than the Lord. That's why I said last week, the calling of God will never lead us to where the grace of God and his personal presence will not enable us. None of his prophecies, Samuel's, fell to the ground unfulfilled. God blessed and magnified Samuel's ministry. So that, notice verse 20, all Israel from Dan to Beersheba realized that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. First of all, Dan to Beersheba. For those of us that maybe don't know geography very well, that would be like us in America saying from sea to shining sea, the entire country. Samuel is saying, as he wrote this reflectively, everyone in Israel, everyone from Dan to Beersheba knew that God's hand was upon me. They knew that I had an anointing from the Lord. They saw God's fingerprints were on my life and on my ministry. And folks, that's so important that not only when you and I embrace God's call for our life, do we gain confirmation and assurance and confidence in it, but guess what happens? Then other people around us begin to sense it and see it too. And you and I know what that means. There have been people in your life spiritually that you know as a Christian, you can say, God's hands on them. That God's anointed them. I, I see God working. I see his fingerprints. I see his imprint upon their life and ministry. I know God is with them. That's what was happening to Samuel. Everyone in Israel was recognizing this young man, God is with him. God wants to be that way with every one of us. So that as we go out there in the world, wherever God calls us and whatever God calls us to, that people begin to recognize God's with them. There's something different about them. God, God's got his hand on them. God has anointed them. That's part of God's call as well. And then I love this. Then the Lord again appeared in Shiloh, revealing himself. For it was in Shiloh that the Lord had revealed himself to Samuel through the word of the Lord. Now think about that. Remember how we started at the beginning of the chapter, chapter 3? The word of the Lord was what? Rare, right? Guess what? The word of the Lord isn't rare anymore because God's taken one person, one young man, Samuel, and turned the whole situation around. It reminds us how God can use one person powerfully. He could use you. Do you believe that? It only takes one. It only takes one. And that's why I may not even be preaching this series of messages to a large group of people. Maybe God wanted me to just bring this series for just one person. Because there may be one person that takes this series and just changes the whole trajectory of their life and embraces the call of God, and God uses them in a mighty and powerful way. One person. One person. 
And when God is revealing himself, God is moving. You get that? That's why I love when I hear feedback from you all that you feel like God is revealing himself here at the Oasis. You know why? Because that tells me as the pastor, God's moving. When God's revealing, God's moving. God's working. And then look at chapter 4, verse 1. Then Samuel revealed the word of the Lord to all Israel. Don't miss the principle here. In the last verse of chapter 3 and the first verse of chapter 4, it's a very important principle. God reveals himself to us so that we can reveal him to others. That will always be, in some way, part of our calling. God first calls us to himself and reveals himself to us so that then we can communicate him more clearly and more accurately to others. Jesus did the same thing when he called his disciples. In Mark chapter 3, I think, verse 14, it says, Jesus called his disciples to himself before he sent them out to preach and to heal and to do miracles. That will be always the way it is with God, because you and I can't share God with others unless we're receiving from God first. That same principle. Think about it. Think about the call of Samuel and all the principles and all the dynamics that we've walked through this morning. And yet it really comes back to one thing for me, one thing for me, and that is that heart attitude that we all must have, which is, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. If you and I ever want to discover or know the calling of God for our life, if we ever want to persist or continue in that call throughout the rest of our life, we have got to learn to recognize and discern the voice of God to know, God, that's you speaking to me right now. And then to respond eagerly and positively to it when we hear God speak. And second, to have those words right at the forefront of our mind and our heart. God, I want to hear what you have to say to me. Speak to me, Lord. And can I say... Aren't we glad God speaks to us? Where would we be if God stopped speaking? Where would we be in this world if, like it was in Israel at that time, that it got so bad and so spiritually dark that God stopped speaking? At least for now, God is still speaking. And so you and I need to keep responding. And God is just simply looking for a group of people and individuals who are willing to see more of him and hear more of him. So may we, from our hearts today, say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Would you stand with me? Father, we come to you today, and we thank you that, Lord, you are still speaking and we can still hear you, God. And I pray today, God, that we would be challenged 
to just begin to faithfully serve you in the things, Lord, that we know we need to just be doing. And that as you see us being faithful, we'll hear your call. And God, we have seen today that we need to place ourselves close to you. And God, if we do that, we will see you move and we will hear your voice. God, we are listening eagerly for you today. And we are wanting to respond as you speak to us. So God, as we offer this song of praise to you, a song of declaration, say, God, we're, we're going to look to you and, and we want to see you and we want to hear from you. God, even through that, Lord, will you speak to your people today? And will you solidify some things in our hearts and lives today through your presence being here in such a powerful way this morning? God, we feel you here today. We sense you here today. Would you move, God? In Jesus' name, amen.